tune with what he's doing, don't you? In tune with what he's doing. Right there where you are, before we go any further, could you close your eyes with me and would you just talk to the Lord from your heart? Come on, from your heart. This is an expression between you and him alone. Would you talk to him from your heart? Maybe it's an expression of your love for him. Maybe it's an expression of your need of him. Maybe it's an expression of where you are right now and a, a cry to him for his mercies and grace afresh and anew. But would you just express your heart to him? Lord, I need you this morning. God, I can't do anything in my own ability that is of any value. I need the work of your spirit. I seek to be yielded to you that that which you desire would be accomplished in each one of us, Lord. We are we're nothing without you. We're undone without you. We're broken and lost without you. I pray your word and your spirit speak with us together today. I pray the love of God be made manifest to us today. I thank you for your ministry that's already operating in this room. What an honor and a privilege that you, the living God, would come into our midst. Jesus, I worship you and I wait upon you this morning. I worship you and I wait upon you, God. You are the healer of our soul. You are the restorer of our soul. You are the strength of our life. You are the deliverer of our soul. It is you that we worship alone, the almighty God. We stand in your midst amazed at your goodness. We are in awe of you, Lord. I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. Thank you, Lord. You know, the Apostle Peter was in a city called Joppa, the Bible tells us, in Acts chapter 9. He was in the city of Joppa, and he, the Bible says he went up to the rooftop of this house where he was staying, and uh, he was, he was going to take a nap. Must have been the afternoon. Naps start feeling pretty good to me in the afternoon. Says he was going to go up and take a nap. And before they ate, they were getting ready to eat. And I usually want to take a nap right after I eat. But, but it says there on the rooftop, he sort of went into a trance. I don't know if I haven't dug into that word trance there. I don't know if, you know, get all kinds of ideas. I think he was probably laying down, resting to take a nap and sort of dozed off maybe. Wasn't quite asleep, wasn't quite awake, and but the Lord began talking to him there. I don't think it was some ooh and ah, like some hypnotic trance or anything like that. I don't think God works that way. But the Lord began talking to him, and in that place, he saw a vision. The Bible says a sheet was lowered down by four corners out of heaven. You can read it in Acts chapter 9. It'll be homework later. It says a sheet was lowered down out of heaven. And it was full of all kinds of four-footed beasts. And it, and it was, of course, all these different beasts that in the Old Testament, under the law, they were not to eat. And he sees the sheet lowered down there, and the Lord speaks to him in this vision and says, Peter, arise, kill, and eat. 
Peter says, I guess in his spirit, you know, your spirit can resist God whether you're awake or not. It's an attitude of my spirit and yours. And in this situation, Peter says, not so, Lord. Now, does that strike you as strange? Now, I know we're all like super spiritual people. And if God asks us to do something, we're like, oh, absolutely, God. But Peter just told the Lord, no. Is that true? I'm just going to turn there. I don't want you to think I'm making something up here. Acts 10, I said 9. Acts 10. Oh, he went up to the housetop to pray. And he sort of dozed off there into a trance. Verse 10, he became very hungry. He would have eaten, but while they made ready, made ready to eat, he fell into a trance. And he saw heaven opened, a certain vessel descending to him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners let down to the earth. And in the sheet were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fish of the or fish of the air, fowls of the air. So there's all kinds of animals and birds in this sheet. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now, how do we know that was the Lord's voice? Well, Peter knew the Lord's voice, right? Peter was the one in the boat when there was a storm and said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. Clearly, he couldn't see him, but he knew his voice. And so the Lord said, come. Peter's like, I can't see him in the storm, but that's his voice. And he gets out of the boat. So he knew the Lord's voice. So this is how we know it's the Lord's voice. Verse 14. And Peter's, but Peter said, not so, Lord. So Peter is revealing. I recognize this is the voice of God telling me to do this. Is this making sense? Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten any. See, Peter was a really good Jew in some ways. Not in all ways. You can read his story. But he got some things right. He was as human as us, isn't he? And at least in this area where he was getting it right, not eating unclean things under the law, he thought, well, at least I haven't done that. I don't want to start now. Even though the Lord was talking to him. Not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything that's common or unclean. And the voice spake to him again the second time. Said a little more, what God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done three times or thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Isn't that an interesting deal? The Lord telling Peter, get up. Now, the Lord knows how stubborn you and I are. Now, some of you are going, how do you know I'm stubborn? Well, I said I, too. I know you're stubborn. You know how I know you're stubborn? Because you're human just like I am. Now, we may be stubborn about different things, but we all have a little bit of stubbornness. You know what stubbornness really is? Stubbornness is self-will. My will, what I want, that's stubbornness. 
And stubbornness causes our humanity to resist God. Now, I know. I've always thought if I heard God, if I was Peter up on top of this roof, and I saw a vision and I heard the voice of the Lord, I would say yes. How about you? <laughs> right, we all think we would, don't we? Right, I mean, didn't you say, man, if the Lord ever came and spoke to me, I would. I think that all of us would go, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if I heard the audible voice of God and I knew it was God, I would do it. No, we wouldn't. Not if it opposed our will. That's how strong the human will is. That's why there's got to be a willingness to die to my will. It's the only way. It's the only way. It's Look. Even Jesus had to do that. He was God manifest in the flesh. And he had to do it. He was our example. The man, Christ Jesus. Not God in the man. The man, Christ Jesus, resisted the will of God. You're saying, no, he didn't. Yes, he did. You know he did. You just didn't realize it. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus, the man, Christ Jesus, asked God if he could avoid doing God's will. He said, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But then he makes a statement we've all heard. Maybe we've prayed it before. Nevertheless, not what I will. But what you will, what was he? Why would he even pray that if he wasn't resisting? He had to get beyond his own will to give in to the will of God. You say, but he was God in the flesh. He absolutely was. So what was wrestling? It was the humanity of Christ that was wrestling with the will of God. It wasn't God in the man that was wrestling with the will of God. Does that make sense? This is why we get the scripture that says the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. And so what do I have to do? I have to deny my flesh in order to respond to the will of God. And so Peter's stubborn. He's human just like you and I. And so in his humanity, even though he has no doubt said, I'll do what you want me to do, right? You remember it was Peter and Jesus sitting, sitting after Jesus resurrected. They were sitting on the side of the Sea of Galilee eating fish by the fire. Jesus was there. They were out fishing. They realized it was him. They came in. Jesus already had bread and fish up on the fire, the Bible says in John, the final chapter of John. And he's sitting there with Peter. And Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Remember this exchange? We were singing about, I love you. Oh, how I love you. Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, I love you. And Jesus says, okay, feed my sheep. It's in there in the book of John. And so I don't know how much time goes by, if it's two minutes or 20 minutes, and if there's more conversation, and then Jesus, hey, Peter. And he asked him the same thing again. I'm starting to see a pattern with Jesus talking to Peter in threes. Peter, do you love me? 
Yes, Lord, I love you. Okay, feed my sheep. And again, I don't know if it was a few minutes or a space of time. I don't know if Jesus talked to others and he found himself sitting there by Peter again and said, Hey, Peter, do you love me? Peter, in his frustration with being asked the same question by the Lord over and over, says, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Okay, Peter, feed my lambs. Yeah. And it's funny, you read a few verses later in the last, again, it's the last chapter of John. That can be your homework. The last chapter of John, Peter sort of turns the conversation. And Peter says, uh, because the Lord tells him, you're going to feed my lambs and you're going to, he basically prophesies that Peter's going to die a cruel death. If you understand the way the Lord said those words. And Peter, when he hears that, you know, Lord, you know, I love you. I'll feed your lambs. When he hears that, Peter does. You know what Peter says? I don't know how it looked, but here's Peter. Here's Jesus. Not the Kleenex box. You got to use your imagination here. And here's John somewhere else around the fires, John. And when Peter hears from Jesus how he's going to die, Peter says, <clears throat> Jesus, what about John? What about him? Peter immediately does what you and I do in our humanity. He begins to compare. Well, what about him? How come he went? But, but they. How? And you know what Jesus said? Jesus didn't say, well, Peter, let me tell you about John because of, here's what I'm thinking with John. And here's my plans with John. I'm going to use him differently than you. And I, Peter didn't, the Lord didn't say any of that to Peter. You know what the Lord said? Peter, what is that to you? Peter, I'm not talking to you about John. I'm talking to you about you. Don't worry about John. I'll take care of John. I know John just like I know you. And I may ask different things of John than I ask of you. Because I know how I'm going to use him and I know how I'm going to use you. What is that to you? And so Peter agreed. We know he agreed because in the book of Acts, we see him preaching on the day of Pentecost with the other 11 standing there with him. We see him preaching in Samaria with Peter and John. We see the ministry of Peter, right? We see this happening. So here we are back in Acts chapter 10. And three times the Lord has lowered the sheet down in this vision. And Peter says, not so, Lord. And there's no evidence that Peter ever agreed. But the Lord had communicated, and Peter had said, like we just referenced at the end of John, I'll feed your sheep. He had agreed to do what the Lord had asked him to do because he loved him. But here the Lord is, we ultimately know if we read the rest of chapter 10, the Lord is trying to get Peter to go to Cornelius' house. There's, it's getting ready to happen, right? There's a guy named Cornelius in Caesarea that hasn't heard the gospel. And Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ through this vision, is preparing Peter to go to Cornelius' house and declare the gospel of Christ to him. To feed lambs, to feed sheep. And Peter doesn't realize he's resisting what God is getting ready to ask him to do. But the Lord knew he'd have a little struggle. That's why the Lord brought him the vision first. And the third time it lifted up out of heaven... And then comes a knock at the door where he's staying. 
And the Lord says to Peter, verse 17, I love Peter because he's human. And you see how they all, you understand all these disciples were human like you and I. While Peter doubted in himself. You ever doubt in yourself? I have. I do. While Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house, and they stood at the gate. No time to... Here here we go. Verse 18. And they called, and they asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision... He's still thinking about this vision. The Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Get up or arise, therefore, and get down. Remember, he's on the rooftop. And go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Can you imagine that? I mean, really, can you imagine that? Three men just show up at the place where you're staying. You've never seen them before in your life. And they're like, oh, we work for Cornelius. He lives about three days away from here. And he told us to come get you. Excuse me, who's Cornelius? Oh, he's the one we work for. No, no, you said that, but I, I, who is? Well, he, why, why did he tell you to come get me? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. He, here's what happened. He was praying, and while he was praying, he saw an angel. And the angel told him that we should come all the way here to Joppa and get you and bring you to us. I have a question for you. Can we be real? Is that okay? What you doing if three guys show up at your house that you've never met in your life? And they're like, hey, we work for a guy three days away from here. And he saw an angel. And he told us that the angel told us to told him to come get you, and you're going to come tell us what to do. And in our world today, we're probably like, man, I don't know what this guy's on. These people are crazy. But Peter had heard from the Lord, thankfully. See, that's the difference. Peter had heard from the Lord. The Lord had told him. Get up and go down and go with them. Don't doubt anything. See, he heard from the Lord. He wasn't acting on his own ability. He wasn't acting in his own effort. That's where we get ourselves in trouble. He had heard from God. He had been prompted by God. And so he did it. And don't doubt anything. The Lord said, I've sent them. That was the peace and the assurance he knew. Okay. And he went with them. What was the Lord doing all that? Let's fast forward through all that. I didn't plan on all that. I was trying to get to a point here. But it's important for us to understand about our humanity. All of this, remember, the Lord was taking Peter to a man named Cornelius in his house. Cornelius was an Italian. We know that from the first verse. It says he was a centurion of a group of men of it known as the Italian band. Not band, but a band of men, people. He was of the Italian band. So Cornelius was an Italian. Now here's the thing about Cornelius. Cornelius was not a Jew. 
Furthermore, he wasn't even a half-breed Jew. That's what's known as a Samaritan. He wasn't a Jew. He wasn't a Samaritan. Brace yourself. Cornelius was a Gentile. You know what Gentiles are called in the Bible, right? Dogs. Gentiles are called dogs. And in case you didn't know that, I'm not making that up. You go, again, go study the word. Gentiles are called dogs. It was a Gentile that came to Jesus and said, my daughter's got this situation, this circumstance she's dealing with in her life. Lord Jesus, please help me. And Jesus says to her, it is not meat to leave the house of Israel. Take that bread from the house of Israel and give it to dogs because she was a Gentile. She was a Syrophoenician woman. He said, I'm not taking the bread from the table of the Israelites and giving it to dogs. Man, you, you know, you think at that point, guess Jesus isn't who I thought he was. I mean, really, right? I mean, how would you respond if you came with a request and But her desire was so great. Her faith was so great. Her response wasn't one of, oh, well. Her response was one of humility. And her response said, Jesus, it may be true, but even the dogs eat of the crumbs that fall off the master's table. For the Holy Ghost right now. Everything he, Lord, I'm content with crumbs. Your crumbs feed my soul and my spirit. Even dogs eat crumbs. You see her, why would she say such a thing? Why would she not bow her back and go, well, because she no longer had any pride. Her daughter was in great need, and pride was out the window. She just knew, I need an answer. I need an answer, and I'm in the presence of the one that can change my situation. I'm in the presence of the one, and he may tell me I don't get that which is reserved for the Jews, but I'll settle with any scrap that falls off the table if it's coming from him. Jesus, even the dogs get the crumbs. She didn't deny who she was, but she acknowledged still, I have a need and you can meet it. And so I'm coming to you. Cornelius was a dog. He was a Gentile. He was a Gentile. This is why Peter was resisting. He didn't know that. He just seeing this, this food like, man, I, I haven't eaten these unclean beasts. Must have been some pigs in there and stuff like that. Old Testament unclean animals. And he gets to Cornelius. He goes to this house of these Gentiles. He didn't know. He took some guys with him, took five or six men with him, the Bible tells us. And they went and they get there and they find Cornelius and all of his house together. This Gentile. And Peter's having to deal with this like, man, here I am in the midst of these Gentiles. I'm sent to the Jew. I'm not a Gen I, man. If I'm seen eating with Gentiles, I, you know, that gets a little iffy. 
Peter had issue with that, you know. Paul had to withstand Peter to his face because when they were in Jerusalem, Peter wouldn't fellowship with Gentiles. He was keeping this distance. And here he is in a Gentile's house, and he begins to preach to them Christ crucified. And Peter makes this statement. All of a sudden, that vision he'd seen three times clicked in his spirit. God had been preparing him. And Peter makes the statement, standing there in Cornelius' house, preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says in verse 34, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive. What do you mean you perceive? You weren't perceiving anything. You were resisting. It took God getting you down here before you finally got revelation. But he went. Hear me. Sometimes we beat ourselves up because we're just not sure. If we're, look, let's just keep moving that direction. Let's, let's respond to the voice of God with direction. I'm coming towards you, Lord. I may not have all understanding yet, but I'm coming towards you. I recognize the drawing of your spirit on my life. I recognize your beck. I recognize your leading a certain way, God. And Peter goes in response to the Lord. And when he's there, he says, of a truth I perceive, God is no respecter of persons. He got the revelation. It's not just for Jews. It's not just for Samaritan. It's for Gentile. It's whosoever will. Let him come. Aren't you thankful? God is no respecter of persons. I am. Don't let the tie fool you. I, I almost took it off even before I thought. I'm only one of three, four people wearing one. Now, you three wearing one. You're the odd ones for four. No. <laughs> He's not a respecter of persons. He doesn't respect me more than he respects Calvin. He doesn't respect Calvin more than he respects Daisy. He's not a respecter of persons. You say, well, you know, Daisy's a better person than Calvin. <laughs> Calvin's a better person than I am. Or, no, it doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. Now, that may be true in times by our choices and our actions, but that doesn't change the love or the respect that word respect there doesn't mean like respect in the way that you and I think. Like, let me show you respect. That's not the word. Respecter there means to put one above another. God's not a respecter of persons. He doesn't set one above another. We do that because we're human, but he doesn't do that. He looks and he sees a soul. He sees Calvin. He says, man, I love you. I died for you. He says, I love you like you are. But here's the thing about it. Because he's no respecter of persons, he says, I love you like you are. But I love you too much to just leave you like you are. I'd like to rescue you from where you are. You understand when he went to Cornelius' house? Cornelius, the Bible says Cornelius was a devout man. It says he feared God with all of his house. 
It says he prayed daily. It says he gave alms of all that he had. Sounds like a pretty good guy. It says, the Bible says, that his prayers had become a memorial before God. That sounds like quite the guy. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and told him all this. said, your prayers have become a memorial before God. That's why I'm here, the angel said. I've never had an angel show up and tell me that. Cornelius was some kind of guy. He had a relationship with God. But the angel said to him, you need to go get Peter. He's dwelling in the house of a man. He's dwelling in the house in Joppa. You need to go get him. He's at Simon the Tanner's house. You'll find him and have him come to you. Why do I need to have him come to me? I'm a devoted guy in a relationship with God. I pray often. You just said my prayers are memorial. I pray. I I give. I, I fear the Lord with my whole house. You know why the angel told Cornelius to go get Peter? It's in the Bible. He said, Cornelius, go get Peter. He's going to tell you what you ought to do. Verse 6. What do you mean what I ought to do? Why would an angel of God tell me I need to go get some other man to tell me what I ought to do when I already fear the Lord? I pray. I give. I'm devout. Because apparently, even in all of that, did Cornelius have a relationship with God? Absolutely, he did. But there was more he ought to do. And so the love of God said, you got to. And that's when Peter shows up. Well, I guess it would have been six days later. Because if it took them three days to get there and three days to get back. Peter begins to preach to them Christ. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. You can see it there in verse 39 through 42. And in verse 43, Peter says this, To him, to Jesus Christ, give all the prophets... What does he mean all the prophets? He's talking about all the Old Testament prophets. When they read the scriptures in the Old Testament, the prophets, all the prophets give witness to him, to Jesus Christ, that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spake, so Peter's sharing this, and while Peter yet spoke these words, watch what happened. The Holy Ghost fell on them that heard the word. Next verse. And they of the circumcision. Who's they of the circumcision? That's just the Jews that came with Peter. They had been circumcised. Remember, he's in a house full of Gentiles. The circumcision are they that had come with Peter. They of the circumcision, which already believed, they were astonished. They're getting revelation just like Peter had. Why were they astonished? Because that on the Gentiles, on the dogs, was also poured out. This is one of my favorite verses in all the scripture. Why? In the sense of the scriptural word, I'm a dog. I'm a Gentile. And because 
This opened the door. This is the first time we find the gift of the Holy Ghost being poured out on a Gentile. But because he's no respecter of persons, it means this Gentile is also an eligible recipient of the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because of this, and he's no respecter of persons, it means you, and no disrespect to you, as a dog, just like me, a Gentile, you are now a candidate to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Peter, while he yet spoke those words, the Holy Ghost was poured out. And the Jews, man, they're, they're shook up. They're astonished. They cannot. See, they had it so fixed in their thinking. They were stubborn. Even in the spiritual matter. They had it so fixed in their thinking. The Holy Ghost is only for Jews. Well, no, in Acts 8, Peter and John did go to Samaria. Well, yeah, but they were half Jews. So, so you got to be some kind of Jew or at least have some Jew in you to get the Holy Ghost. But then, look, they were astonished. That word literally means they could not believe what they just saw. But they could not deny what they just saw. The Gentiles also was poured out the gift. of How did they know the Gentiles received the Holy Ghost? Well, let's just keep reading. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. That's how they knew. You can read in chapter 11, they're recounting it to the other Jews who can't believe that Peter went down and talked to Gentiles. What? You did what? Oh, no, no, no. I had witnesses here. These guys were with me. They can tell you what took place. And they were like, yeah, it's just like he said. We went and he taught the word. And as he, we, they got the Holy Ghost just like we did at the very beginning. When they mean the very beginning, they're talking about Acts 2. They got the Holy Ghost the same way we did. They were declaring the truth of the word of God. They heard them speak with tongues and magnify. Watch, then answered Peter. Remember what the angel told Peter or Cornelius? Go get Peter. He's going to tell you what you ought to do. All of this is Peter telling them what they ought to do. A devout man with a relationship with God. Peter says, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. And he then suggested to them. Oh, it doesn't say that, does it? Oh, no. And then he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Most translations say in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then they prayed for him to tarry certain days. Would you stand with me this morning? God is no respecter of persons. I had the thought over here as we were worshiping. had Zacchaeus in my mind. Remember the story of Zacchaeus in the Bible? The Bible says he was small of stature, I think is the word that it uses. I always think of Zacchaeus from my Sunday school song. He was a wee little man. Anybody know that? Anybody ever hear that song? Probably can't sing that anymore. It's probably offensive. But when we used to sing it when we were in Sunday school. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. You might know that song. Amen. Don't worry, we're not going to sing together. We used to sing that when I was a kid. So I always, I always used to think the scripture said Zacchaeus was a wee little man. 
but it just says he was short of stature. Zacchaeus climbed up in a tree because he wanted to see Jesus. I don't know what he'd heard. I don't know what he'd thought. I don't know if he just thought like this would be a celebrity sighting and I want to maybe take a picture and post it to Instagram to say I saw him. I, I don't know. Right. He, he, he wanted to see Jesus. And Jesus is passing by. And the Bible says that Jesus stopped and looked up into the tree. Why? I'll tell you why. Because more than Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, Jesus wanted to see Zacchaeus. He was interested in him. No respecter of persons. Zacchaeus, come down. Today, I'm coming to your house. That's what he said. Read it. Zacchaeus, on your own, you can't get to where I am. So Zacchaeus, I'm going to come to where you live. I'm coming to your house. You understand this is the heart of God to come to where we are. Not to leave us where we are, but to come to where we are. I can give you scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. Some people say, oh, well, Zacchaeus, he wanted to go to his house because he had lots of money. Oh. I don't know what happened in the door behind the closed doors, but something happened because whatever happened in that place, it changed Zacchaeus life. It changed him. He came out. He said, anything I've taken from anybody, I'm going to restore it four times. He had a transformation of his life after Jesus came and visited him where he was. But look, Jesus gets on a boat and sails across to the gatherings. Why would he go to the gatherings? What's there? He gets off the boat. And when he gets off the boat in Gadara, a man with legions of devils comes running to him. This man filled, possessed with so many unclean spirits, runs to him, falls at his feet and worshiped him. The community didn't know what to do with him. They'd try to bind him up with chains. He'd rip them off. They couldn't keep him clothed. He was naked and screaming in the tombs. And he ran up to Jesus and fell at his feet and worshiped. Jesus said, what are you doing, man? Jesus came to him. He met him. Why? No respecter of persons. No respecter of persons. And you and I are living proof that he's no respecter of persons because he came to where we were. He found us where we were. And he said, I'll not leave you there. I'll meet you there, but I'll not leave you there. you talk to the Lord right there where you are right now? I feel the beckoning of the Spirit of God.
some of you just need to be reminded this morning. He's not a respecter of persons. My failure could not cause him to not love me. You understand he doesn't condone my failure, but if I'll bring it to him, I'll let him meet me where I am. He'll begin to heal broken parts and places. He'll begin to put back together that which was once whole. Come on, I'm opening this altar to you. If you'd like to find a place of prayer, whether you want to come and kneel at this altar or whether you want to turn your pew into an altar, could we talk to the Lord? Come on, He's not a respecter of persons, but the love of God goes to wherever the soul is. It reaches to wherever we are to find us, to rescue us, to draw 